2: Hello, it's 12.30pm, it's Monday and you're tuned to our Celtic State of Mind. It's TMC time, a.k.a. The Monday Club. I'm Tony Haggerty, and as ever, I'm joined by the track suited and booted President Rascal First Boys <laughs> and the wonderful Amy Canavan. How are you guys all right?
4: Yes, Tony, my man. All good over here, mate. I'm in the mothership as well. It it seems like right now we're getting a we're getting a few the contributors now diving into the mothership on a weekly basis. It's good to see us all try and look good in this impossible light, mate. Well, <laughs> you yourself, you good?
5: Yeah, yeah, I've uh, darted out of the mothership again. Um, yeah, I prefer the light in here. It's, um, I look like a ghost when I'm in there. But no, it's um, R- Russell can Russell can be in there today. But no, I'm I'm doing well. Thank you.
2: I'll 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 hesitate to call you Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> there, <no. laughs> right, we'll crack on. And it pains me greatly, and it saddens me that we're going to have to kick off a football show with this. But it has to be addressed. I'm going to start with a quote, and the quote is: "It's not the creed nor his nationality that counts; it's the man himself." Now, those magnificent words will strike a chord with every Celtic supporter this morning, who will no doubt be thinking of our very own Japanese striker Kyogo Furuhashi. And those words, incidentally, were said by legendary figure Willie Mealy, when he was asked to encapsulate Celtic's one club for all and multicultural ethos and roots. Now, a Celtic state of mind does not exist to take chunks out of Rangers and their supporters. That's why it saddens me that we have to address this topic and what should have been another happy, shiny show talking about the football. But we need to address the abhorrent and vile racism directed at Koura And for those that didn't see it, a video appeared last night on various social media channels of Rangers supporters aiming vile, an abhorrent racist boost at Kyogo. Now, it wasn't too long ago where a lot of Celtic supporters stood shoulder to shoulder with Rangers fans, and racism was directed at their very own midfielder, Glenn Kamara. But personally, I think there are no words at times, and how many times can you say racism in all its forms is just wrong, wrong, wrong? Uh, but both Celtic and Rangers came out last night and made statements and I wanted to read the Celtic statement for those that maybe didn't see it. If reports are accurate, then such sickening and pathetic racist behaviour directed towards Kyogo Furuhashi deserves absolute condemnation. Unfortunately, a number of Celtic players in recent years have suffered similar racist abuse. As a club open to all, we stand firmly against racism in all its forms, and we will give Kyogo our full support. Our stakeholders must work together in tackling all forms of bigotry. Now, the line as a club open to all, we stand firmly against racism in all its forms, and we will give Kyogo our full support. Russell, when the words are rudimental, I hope Kyogo can feel the love. He can feel the love because there's plenty of Celtic supporters showing him love today. And I want your thoughts on it. And as I say, we don't exist to have a pop up with rivals. That's not what this show is about. But those videos were important.
4: I absolutely agree. I mean, you can only condemn what you've seen. Absolutely, you know, as you've said, Tony, so well. I mean, it's not about point scoring. For me, racism goes way and above beyond any sort of rivalry between two clubs—one that plays in green and white hoops, one that plays in blue. That's the rivalry that I see, um, and I think it's time that people, you know, stopped dragging other stuff into you know what is already you know a huge rivalry in Glasgow. As it is, I don't think these other aspects need brought into it. I don't see any joy in what I see. I don't see the funny side of it. And I think it's really sad that what you're saying there is we should be bringing it... You know, it, it, not we should, but we are... You know, hopefully uh, Keogh's feeling the love from us all today. You know, he should have been feeling it for his performances on the pitch so far, not in the on the back of four weeks in the, in the country and having to be subject to that sort of utter prehistoric behaviour that, to me, just does no place... In any country, any culture. Um, it's just really tragic that we're, you know, talking about that when we're in the back of obviously some unbelievable displays that's domestically on the pitch, particularly from the man in question. Um, and only really do you feel sometimes like it would be in Scotland, you know, that you would be talking about this nonsense. I'm not gonna sit and pop at Ranger supporters. I am in no doubt in my mind there's an element of idiots and all club supporters right across the world you know there's going to be an element but what you're seeing there you can only see you know, who it is that's done it and unfortunately the Rangers fans on that bus that were subjecting Kyogo to such disgusting chants um, and obviously whatever else went with that I think they need to you know, take responsibility um, the fact Rangers have released a statement about it I suppose is a step in the right direction as well but ugh, it's just not what we want to be speaking about but Absolutely. Cool go. I hope you're feeling the love and we are
2: 100% behind you. Now, Amy, you and I both had the pleasure of interviewing Paul Elliott recently. I did for the yeah. Celtic way. You did it for the Soccer Supernova. And Paul Elliott was telling you about things that happened in the late 70s, early 80s. This is 40-50 years ago, Paul Elliott was talking about. And it's still going on. Yeah, you just, you, as I said the other... There are no words and I, I agree with Russell. Every football club has its element of supporters that bring their club into disrepute and shame them. You know, but as you see we're commenting on this specific incident in isolation. Correct. Um, you know, so that we want to make that clear and as I said before, not taking chunks out of Rangers fans or the supporters of the club. It's up to Rangers to now deal with that incident and those supporters in the way they see fit. But we have to address it because it was directed at a Celtic player. And as we say, Amy, Paul Ehrlich was talking about these things 50 years ago or 40 years ago, in his case, when he started his career, roughly in the 80s. And uh, yeah, we're still talking about it today in 2021.
5: It's very sad, isn't it? It's abhorrent, you know. um, And I think... Before anything else, we've been quick enough to, you know, maybe call the club out when over the past year they've not been quick enough with statements and not over just the past year over a long period of time. But I thought the statement yesterday was concise, it got to the point and it was done in the right manner at an appropriate time. Um, Rangers as well. I think we're still possibly looking for a, a proper official statement. Um, a spokesperson has came out, um, but as long as it's heading in the right direction, then then that's just what has to um, the direction that this has to be taken in. It is sick, then, um, as you say. We we both so recently spoke to Paul Elliott, and that's thirty to, to forty years ago, and we're still talking about this now for a guy that's been in the country for four to six weeks. As Russell says, you know, we need more Kyobos, um in this league in this country. The the talent that he's brought across. It's, it's kind of similar, and as as you know, Tony, that Paul Elliott he spoke with with Mark Walters, saying you know, and and I remember I asked him why would you want to you know go into that culture when you know what you, your friend, your really good friend, was experiencing because he already saw that Walters was experiencing that racism at Rangers. Who's to say that everyone's going to be Paul Elliott? Paul still came to Celtic, obviously, and has an extremely successful period, but he was still victim to to the racist abuse. If. You know, if there's players in the G League, whoever it may be, that if, if we're potentially looking at them, if they see that um, that Kyogo is facing this, why would they really want to come here? You know, it's not a culture that you'd really want to walk into. I don't really know if I'd want to walk into it myself. You're really sticking your head above the parapet if you do. So it's not it's not what we want to be. You know, you want to be welcoming. This is not that sort of stance. So as long as it gets handled properly, um, and. By all means, it's on the right, the right tracks. Then we ha- we have to try and eradicate this. But the club are spot on. You know, this isn't just a one-time incident. How many times has this happened um, to to so many different players, not just Celtic players, but like we say, Glen Kamara, alike, um, you know Aberdeen, Hibs players. It, it's constant, and something something needs to change. If it be social media platforms uh, calling it out, and as well, it can't just be the one individual. It has it's, it's the entire bus. You know it's, yeah, fine fair enough, there's maybe one or two who are, are partaking in it, but it's the bus as a whole. Um, so, like you say, it has to be left with the authorities now um, and hopefully the right action is taken.
2: We have to stress as well, Russell, that we'll be quick to condemn Celtic supporters if they're involved in anything like this moving forward. You know, you, you can't we abhor it in all shapes and forms.
4: Absolutely, agree. If you know this is not about aiming it out because it's a pot shot at a range of supporters or, or their club in any way, shape or form. It's just complete shock and dismay at the treatment someone from another country gets because of their race or nationality. That's all this boils down to. Um, there's nothing you know. It doesn't matter if, if I see Celtic supporters doing that. A hundred percent, we'll be sitting on the Monday Club talking about it, calling it out. And that's all you can do really at this stage because the incidents that happened, you've got to give the player all the support and the backing he needs. You've got to condemn the actions that have happened and hope they get dealt with and educated the people because that's what that is: complete lack of education. I mean, if that's getting put down, I'm reading tweets now left, right, centre about it was on the bus away day patter. If that's the level you're you know comedy's not for you because that's just not, its not even funny. It's so—it's just childish nonsense that to me it's from a forgotten. A forgotten time. So yep, you're absolutely right, Tony. If if it's good good enough for us to, to, to call it out just now when it's a you know, a rivals set of supporters that are guilty, we'll certainly do the same if we see it happening by Celtic supporters as well, because it's just not on. Also think as well, Amy, decent minded supporters of every club now, they're just sick of it, aren't they?
2: And they are going to try and call it out at every opportunity. And they should call it out at every opportunity, regardless of the club and the perpetrators. You know, decent-minded football supporters, and I stress the word football supporters, they're just sick of it all now, aren't they?
5: Absolutely, because then it goes to a human level, and it's kind of what Russell touched upon earlier. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in a red Aberdeen shirt, a green Hibs shirt, um, or, or the Blue of Rangers. It doesn't matter because it's on a human level at this point. Um, it's a personal attack. It's not mattering what club you play for or what club you support. It is just as a on a human level. So... Of course, and it is unity. And I think the fact that, you know, there's obviously people a hell of a lot older than myself who have been facing this, you know, for, for 40 years or viewing it for 40 years, as we're saying with, with Paul Elliott, it's just sick of it now. You know, we, we're trying to evolve and and it's just getting nowhere.
2: I think you touched upon it there, Russell. It's about education, isn't it, as well? But also, Amy, you mentioned it there, uh, the Celtic statement was swift. It was quick. It was concise and to the point. Also, as Amy said, maybe something that they, hadn't, they, they weren't you know, good at doing in the past, but they've supported their player and backed them to the help very swiftly and very quickly. Maybe a change in direction as well with Celtic, that they're not going to let these things slip by and, and idly pass. They're going to say something and they're not going to speak up for themselves, which, which was a good thing, I thought.
4: No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, pleasantly surprised by the, the swiftness of the statement, but won't we'll that continue, and I want the club to take stances at that. And, you know, back your player to the tilt, as you say, but also, you know, it up for us as a club. At the end of the day, Kyogre's a representative of Celtic as well, and it's about time. Celtic, when faced with adversity or faced with unfair or things that they feel are unjust, get it out there, get it said and start, you know, acting like a big club as you say Tony I think there's been a lot of pressing matters over the years if we've removed the race element right now, not playing it down, just meaning with other serious mm-hmm. issues that have potentially occurred that have impacted in Celtic, we have at times you know, been guilty of complete silence when all we were crying out for was the club to be defended in some sort of way, shape or form by, by you know the, the board members, the people at the top it's a basic requirement of their job is to do that so I wonder if it is a shift in direction, and we're not going to tolerate things that that aren't going away. And and you know, whilst again, not even in the slightest comparing or playing down the 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 Q-go situation, I've already made my my feelings abundantly clear on that. I mean, you look at the next next stop for me would be why is there no fans going to be, you know, allowed at allowed at the derby next Sunday? And you know, can we address that? Can we are we going to be putting wheels in motion to get that looked at and addressed as quickly as possible as well? Because Stuff like that we shouldn't be standing for either. Again, completely different tangent. I just mean in relation to yeah. the board's swiftness in, in dealing with, with an adverse situation there. I'd like to see it replicated with other football matters as well. I've
2: mentioned it before, Amy Russell said it there too. I, I thought Celtic acted like a big club last night. You know, I think most Celtic supporters would have been proud of the way their club acted and the, and the swiftness in the way they acted when those videos uh, came to light. You know, So it's uh, a pat on the back for those at the club who noticed that straight away and came out with, uh, as you say, a, a concise and clear statement. You know, The ticket things may be something that the club will work on moving forward. That that's, that's another issue, but it's part of the wider issue. But if Celtic are going to act like a big club and, and defend themselves in these situations, then I think most of the support, well, every Celtic supporters would applaud that, wouldn't they?
5: Absolutely, and you know, and and that's why I highlighted it because we are quick enough to call to call the club out and say that we wish they maybe done this a bit quicker, this a bit quicker, or or highlighted this at all. But when they do good, you've got to equally praise them just as quick as you are to, to to shoot them down. So again, like you say, it's proven. You know, it's a it's a big club sort of move, and you know, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't need to be a move at all because it shouldn't need to be making a statement because this shouldn't be happening this instant in the first place. So. Like I say, it's, it's a good move from the club. Also, it reflects well. Proves are getting behind their player, but um, it's now just time for it to be dealt with properly.
2: OK, we'll move on. And Speaking of the club doing good, Amy, the club did good again on Saturday. Back-to-back home 6-0 win against St Myrne. Mm-hmm. Ange Ball, Ange Postacoglu revolution kicking in, all these great things. We now face... A tough, tough week. Biggest test of Andy's uh, Celtic managerial career so far. And as you can see along the strap line, what will Celtic take from Andy's biggest week in charge? Russell, what do you expect to take? What do you hope to take? What do you think the club can take? Not in any particular order. You just answer it randomly as you usually do. (laughs) Not
4: a problem. problem. Uh, Uh, problem. I, I think with I think when we played AZ last week, I felt it was the right time for that challenge to sort of gauge where and sort of development at the squad was. I think now we're entering a week of such importance again. I feel it's at like the right time for us to sort of gauge how Angie's progression so far as Celtic manager has been made. Undoubtedly, we have you know since opening three matches, it has been a Vast improvement that we've seen so far We've seen players come in the club That are exciting the supporters as well Bringing maybe calming influences as well Um, And then we're seeing you know, In full effect what Angebal can do Particularly at Celtic Park Um, I think AZ away Is still a tricky one This week
0: on the Marketers Report Patrizio Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery Weighs in
3: on building trust
0: not just a media company iheart media is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
4: 2 goal cushion uh, i think that one could that could potentially I mean i could see that maybe going extra time i think it might be it might be one although i've not said that yeah you yeah, know because goals don't count so it doesn't necessarily need to be a 2-0 win for his head it could be 3-1 or whatever and um, they would still go to extra time. I could still think there's still arms and legs in that tie left. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of work to be done over there. But right now, I'm in a positive place with what I've seen so, you know, of late. I think the, the efforts that we're creating is just unbelievable. I think it was, it was me, you that said to me last night on the phone, Tony, 108 shots in the last three domestic matches. Yeah,
2: 104 shots in like, Yeah, Yeah, I believe we'll so, right.
4: Uh, it's insane, not and, it? and I think the thing is with the AZ game again, you 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 were to get through that tie, whether it's you know via extra time or say they pull off another outrageous result and it's just just with this team right now because they're certainly bringing my confidence. I mean, if you were to get the result and qualify for the group stage on Thursday, you've got to be going with the chest puffed out, across eyebrows, no fans or not makes no odds. If anything, if I was a player, I would say the decision to not have fans there reeks of fear. That would be giving me absolute confidence that there is worry over in the enemy's uh, ranks and that, you know, if you can smell it, take advantage of it and ram it down their throats, that advantage that you might have. So I'm quite confident we'll get a result on Sunday, if I'm honest I think even a draw would be a positive result for me because we certainly didn't look like picking up many of those last year. It's away from home against your rivals, but by all means, I think we'll be going there for three points. I don't think, uh, I don't think Angel, well, whilst he's done a lot of adapting with his signing policy, you know, bringing in Hart and McCarthy, bringing on McCarthy midweek to shore it up a wee bit, um, bringing it to, to Hart to go long, things like that. It's brilliant to see that adaption from Angel. But I certainly think he'll start off both matches against both AZ and, and Rangers with full-on Angel Ball.
2: Amy, I wrote a column and I said, well, I was going to be talking about many milestones and I was saying that if Ange can achieve a result and Altmar take Celtic through to the group studio of the Europa League and go to Ibrox and win uh, you know, win against uh, Rangers in front of Norway supporters then the Celtic fans will start to think that there's a minor miracle man at, at the helm, you know, but it's the, these are the first challenges. These are the, in his comments, he was kind of thrown down a gauntlet to the Celtic players in his after-match comments against the man. You know, he was saying it with the, the, the AZ akmar game was very important because he knows the importance of European football to Celtic. You know, and then he was asked about the Rangers game and he said, I'll worry about that. There'll be a million questions to come after, after Thursday. I'm concentrating on Thursday. But then he just sort of said, but I'm excited about it. So it's in the back of his mind because he knows these are the games you get judged. You know, the judgment's come. You know, so he's clearly, whilst his mind is solely focused on Alma, somewhere in the darkest recess he's thinking, right, this is a big, big week. I'm going to prepare my players. And the only way to prepare your players is I'm going to ask you questions now. Can you compete under real pressure? And this is real mm-hmm. pressure that Celtic face in the next few days. But as Russell said, there's an air of confidence about them. Air of confidence about the manager, air of confidence about the team, and there's an air of confidence about the supporters. It's not arrogance yet because they've not achieved anything, but it, they're certainly in a different place from where they were post Mitchelton and post Hearts. That fair to say?
5: Absolutely. And these are the sort of games that he came for, you know. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned there that he, if if the if the team walk away with a, a win on Thursday and particularly Sunday, then we could be calling, you know, Anja a magician. I, I think to be honest, he already is to the degree that m- myself included, he's kind of turned a lot of us quite quickly in the sense that I don't think any of us believed he could have turned it around quite so quickly after, you know, the Micheland results. Who'd have thought that these performances and the, the intensity of these performances were going to come around quite so quick? We were assured that this, you know, high press we score six, they score five, um, football would would be coming our way. That score six is is exactly where the the scoring sixes came, but the conceding certainly hasn't. It's this, it's, the, it's, it's the pace that everything has turned around. You know, we were warned that it could take a good year to things to set in, and I'm not saying that it's all now in the foundations and this is it now for for the here on. And of course, it's not. It has been a good few weeks. The same way you can't get carried away with that. The same way we couldn't get too down and out about you know the the defeats at the start, maybe in the preseason as well. But the work that he's managed to turn around quite so quickly, the confidence that he's instilled, like you say, in that side is um, is quite magical, and you can see it. You know players, the turnaround of, of Ryan Christie, of Tom Rogic, the confidence oozing out of Joe Hart, who's just walked into this side, albeit he's maybe not had an awful lot to do, but he was challenged last week is he, against Ezeb um, Alkmar and he had some, some tough tests, especially early on, but the enthusiasm was there. Um so it is it's an exciting week and I don't think he'd really want anyone else at the helm for it. He just is he's oozing confidence himself um in, in the press conferences, like you see the way that he's even just looking to Thursday. Of course Sunday's in the back of the mind. Can't try and pull the wool over our eyes, you know what it is. Of course they're gonna to have to say that it's, it's take each each game as a coming, the next one's the next important. But when it's a Thursday to Sunday that's a quick turnaround, you can't afford to not have a little glimpse on Sunday. Thursday is massive of course as the, the tie is not dead and buried but there has to be a confidence going into it could have easily scored more against against AZ on um, on Wednesday last week again but equally could have conceded it's not down and out but what a fantastic result from the weekend to carry on into this you know and no matter what happens on, on Thursday well the ideal situation is of course that um, the F- extra thing does not does not to participate because then that's a it's a long drag, it's a journey as well. It's a long time for um for, for Sunday. It's a, it's a that extra half an hour can can make all the difference. But it's an exciting week as you say, um and, and the confidence that, that Andrew's already instilled in the side and in the support is is quite magic.
2: Russell, the shifting mindset amongst the supporters as well, as well as a management team and the players, is that you're confident because it's a team that's got goals in it. Goals win matches, regardless of the opposition, goals win matches, right? I mean, it's a, it's a fact, you know, so you're going over to Holland, yeah, well, there's trepidation, you, you, you know, because AZ were a good side, but you kept them out at Celtic Park. Three weeks ago, you wouldn't have thought that was possible, to keep a clean sheet against a team like AZ Alkmaar, You were a very good side. Three weeks ago, you were dreading going to Ibrooks, or you weren't looking for, certainly weren't looking forward to it. I don't know if dread's the right word, but there was certainly a wee bit of, of fear and trepidation amongst the Celtic supporters. Now you're brimming, you're thinking, bring it on, because you want to, you want Celtic to test themselves now against one, a decent Dutch Eredivisie side and against the current champions. So you're, you're thinking, bring it on, because it will be a gauge for everybody, a gauge for Ange, a gauge for the players, a gauge for the supporters. And, but you're, you're not worried now what can possibly happen because you're thinking Celtic can inflict damage on these teams now. That's Absolutely. why your mindset's completely changed.
4: Yeah, and I think as well with regards to the uh, to the gauge that you're referring to, I think the gauge that we're all expecting it to be is a very positive one um, because, as you say, the mindset has completely flipped. Um, so, but, uh, so I so look forward to seeing what they can do. Basically, what I think as well. so I've got the director, I've got the producer in the background, and he's putting me off my my game here. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I do think it's going to be positive results that we expect, all right? I think um, right now the the mindset of the supporters has changed, myself included. Mm -hmm. I I thought that the the game at Ibrox would come too early in Angie's career, particularly on the back of what we'd we'd been told. And we had been told this is something that takes six months to a year. which to me wasn't really on considering the prize bounty at the end of this year and it wasn't something I found palatable. Instead, he's blown everyone away by how quick he's got to play and the football's unrecognisable. We have to be abundantly clear on that. The football that we're watching is unrecognisable from last year. And in fact, some of the stuff we've seen so far has been up there with some of the best football I can remember seeing as a Celtic supporter. I know that sounds... Um, you know, over hysteric, but the honest truth is sometimes I've been blown away, particularly in the first halves of these games. I they, they mean, they, they come out the traps at a speed that is just un unprecedented, and they do look, the amount of opportunities they're creating that they could give someone a view doing this season. I don't know how many goals you're all thinking of, but do no,
2: you going to do that, a team that
4: comes across a cropper, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we heard the here first, Russell's point yeah. the the magical number of 10, Amy, a perfect 10. He thinks they're going to score against somebody this season, but he does make a, a valid point that Celtic are they're coming out of the traps at breakneck speed, and it's clearly an instruction to try and blow teams away in that first half, because the first half against Hearts, first half against St Mirren, they were particularly impressive, you know, and could have been out of sight in both of those games. 104 shots on, on target, or 104 shots at goal, in three domestic games I mean that's incredible absolutely incredible numbers You know, so as I said there you have confidence in this team to go out, create opportunities and also score that's why, and we're not saying that they're going to go to Holland and win, and we're not saying we're going to go to Ibrooks and blow-rinders away because to quote Russell, flip it it could go wrong as well in both of those matches but you now know there's a competitive element to Celtic and they will go for ninety minutes and beyond in both of those games because that's what the managers demanded.
5: These are astounding figures, you know. Um, and while this is fantastic and it's and it is all attack, 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 I, I just want to draw back to you know we were we were warned that you know if the oppositions score four, fine, we'll score five. But it's the fact that it's been clean sheets as well, and I find that equally impressive. You know, a happy defence means a means a confident attack, and it's just. I think the, the joyous bit out of it is that we're probably not even seeing our, our best at the, at the back, you know, I think Starfelt is still a little bit shaky um, and he's taking time to adapt, but there's no denying that these clean sheets on the back are definitely going to aid to that. There are still some pelters coming in for Greg Taylor I don't always see it myself, um, I understand it, but I would I would probably like another uh, left-back and just even as a little bit of support. But right now, I am still more than happy with Greg Taylor. I think he's getting in, he's attacking. Fine, his crosses aren't always the best, but you're getting a few. I thought it was a great cross the other day for um, for a bad second, I think it was. Um, he's getting down to the back. He's linking up really well with Forrest and Christie as well, I think. Um, but it's the fact that there's not even the best back line Um, or the most confident back line but we're still keeping clean sheets and again that's a credit to Joe Hart because I think over the last few seasons as well We've always said, you know, it might take a little bit of time for uh, the goalkeeper and the centre defenders to to build that relationship. But the experience that Joe Hart's brought in, and we can say that all the time, you know, that you bring in an older player and they should automatically bring their experience in. But that isn't always the case. But this really has been instilled. You know, um, there was a whole talk the other day that Cal McGregor was going to, you know, give him the, the captain's armband instead. It was obviously to, to Ryan Christie. Hart does not need a, an armband around his, his bicep to be a leader. You, you can see throughout the game. You can see as well his emotion. I think it was after, was that maybe after David Turnbull's goal, the the, the camera cut cut him and he, and he celebrated away. He's already in the mindset, you know, and that is great to see. So there's there's that issue there that there's a little bit of leadership in the back as well. Stephen Welsh is ultimately stepping up, um, but as much as the the attacking prowess is there, I'm equally impressed. That the clean sheets are there as well because how many times have we said it on this podcast and over the years we've watched Celtic maybe score four, sometimes even score five, but in the 80th to 90th minute a sloppy goal is lost because the concentration goes or there is albeit a, a moment of magic sometimes from the opposition. It doesn't even need to be a Rangers or an Aberdeen. It can be against a St Mirren, it can be against Dundee that we lose that, lack, that last minute goal just in a little bit of lack of confidence, but the intensity is there for the 90 minutes in the attack and in their defence, and that is equally impressive for me.
2: Russell, I'm looking at that team. Balkson, mm-hmm. Welsh, Christie, Rogic, Turnbull, Abada, Forest Diogo, Edward. There's nine players who've contributed goals.
4: Which is an astonishing nine. astonishing oh. start already, isn't it, really? So you look at
2: that team, there's threats all over the place. Yeah. And potent ones at that as well. You know, whatever whatever's happening with Ange Postel, they're all comfortable with it now, and they are starting to go for that ninety and beyond. As he said, we'll rest at half time, we'll rest at full time, we'll celebrate when it's won. But you know, until then, you go and you go and you go. And they were still trying to score. Still trying to score a seventh against Dundee. Still trying to score a seventh against St. Mern on Saturday. Even a Yeti when he came yes. on. You know, he's cameo eight minutes, and I think. Andy Raff chided me for giving him one (laughs) and the (laughs) man-by-mans. He said he was worth more than one, so I apologise to Andy Raff for that. Andy, you're probably right. It just didn't come across on my screen when I was watching. Had I been at the football, I'd probably got a better feel for his contribution. Uh But just little things like that, even a yeti when he's coming on for eight minutes, chase that ball down, chase the initial mistake, help set up the goal. You know, so it, it's Angie's getting through to all the players that they are going to perform, regardless if they're playing for 80 minutes, 90 minutes or eight minutes. You know, and...
4: Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, speaking of relentless, I've got a relentless producer, right, who's, I've got, got an off-the-cuff announcement to make, which has been pretty good news for us. So, a Celtic state of mind is now finalists in three categories at this year's Football Content Awards, the FCA's. So we're in the the running for the best club content creator, the best international podcast, and the best charitable campaign. Now, you can imagine me trying to concentrate. (laughs) So thank you for everyone who's put us in that position. Obviously, we'll be keeping up to date on the socials with how to then vote for us going forward as well. And hopefully we will bring at least one of those trophies home. But in true Celtic style, why not make it a treble?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, well, Amy, there's there are no words to that, is there? A, a treble? Russell's not a greedy man. He wants the treble. Why not? No. Well, you've got a benefit to win it, and we're competing, so that's what it likes. And thanks to everybody that tunes in and watches, because that's why we're at that level that we have been nominated in three categories. So you have to say yeah. thank you to everybody for that.
4: And I'd just like to apologise if for the last seven or eight minutes as that information was being filtered through to me, if I seemed slightly distracted. Yes, <laughs> Apologies me. for that. But it was important to get the message across. Big well done to Paul, obviously. You've got to say that as well. Not just because I'm in the mothership, but he's doing a terrific job, man, to guide us as uh, rascals, you know, <laughs> to, to get nominated it. for such a awards. So, I, I mean, let's just hope we can bring one of them home
2: a ragtag and bobtail team, Amy. You know, <laughs> unlike the, free, the rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring Glasgow Celtic, they're, they're doing the business on the park. But, yeah, I mean, you touched on it there, Amy, as well. I, I've been watching Joe Hart since he came in and the difference in instilling of confidence, as you say, just somebody that they can rely on is night and day. And it is just different things like that when the camera panned on him after a goal against St. and he was like, yes. And you're thinking, from the moment he walked in the door, he's got it. There's just people that come in and they get it. And Joe Hart gets it clearly. And he has decided, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to tell others and give them the benefit of my experience. I believe he also gave his gloves to Jack Anick at the end. And he spoke to him at halftime. Because Jack Anick said he ran towards him at halftime and said, look, I know you're having, you know, I know it's a, a disaster, but in the second half, just try and make some saves. Because Jack Anick said he was worried it was going to be 10-0, Russell. He was going to be embarrassed. And Joe Hart spoke to him and said, look, I've been there. I know what it's like. Just try and make some saves second half and feel good about yourself. And then I think, I'm sure there was a an article that said he gave him his gloves at the end as well, which is a cracking touch. You know, just things like that. You say, this guy's really bought into it from the moment he walked in. gave a very impressive interview. He was unveiled. And as you say, doesn't need a captain's armband. He is a leader.
5: Absolutely. You know, um, I wrote a, a, a little column about him the other day. And it was that whole, you know, we've found the, the goalkeeper that we needed, but we've also found that leader. We, we spoke about it so much at the time that... I was well in the belief that Kyle McGregor was the only option for, for Celtic captaincy. One, because he deserved it, but two, because there wasn't really a lot of other options. You know, Chris Hyer was getting touted about, but I think even by that point, if he wasn't away, it was evident he was going to be away. Um, but there is somebody there now that there's that bit of confidence in the back. And he's just, hes like you say, he's just encapsulated everything within it. I definitely did see, like you say, at half time, Um I think he said to Jack, I'm like, regroup, make some saves. Um, it's a classy little touch as well. For now, it's, it's that goalkeeper's union that so many, you know, if you, you speak mm-hmm. to any former goalkeeper, they, they really do, you know, take, take pride in that and take pride in their, their relationship with their, their fellow professionals. It's just really great to see somebody coming so quickly of the... Of the real the name that Joe Hart is, and I think a lot of Celtic fans, myself included, I, we've delivered some pillars to, to Joe Hart over the years. You know, I always think about the, the kicking of the, the um, advertisement board. He's Italy in the World Cup, the sheer frustration. He's made a few, there was a few blunders at Man City as well. And his career ultimately did take a little bit of a dip. He was well-loved out in Italy when he went out to Torino. Um, but it doesn't quite work out for him down at Burnley. Uh, I can't remember what this final Premier League game was. I think it was a hammer and it was four or five nil or something like that. Um and after that, I think there was a lot of like, wow, where where is Joe Hart going to end up? So he's been given a lifeline here um, and he, he certainly has grabbed it with both hands. He knew what he was walking into ultimately. But I think it's also instilling a lot of confidence in others. I think as much as at the time I was saying, you know, Scott Bain had to be the, the one ahead of Barca's, I almost think that Scott Bain is... Is more comfortable, almost knowing that he's a he's a number two. He's a fantastic deputy. You know, anytime that he's been called upon as the deputy, it has stood up and took charge of that. Um, we all remember him at Ibrox. I don't know. Maybe the pressure was too much to be Celtic number one, but can already see, you know, in pictures, um, and I've spoke to a few people as well that he himself as well has got a little bit of confidence back within him, especially on the Ange. But with Joe Hart beside him as well, fantastic coach and Stevie Woods is still there. Um, it's going to be a great asset to Hart. So everything's just ticking along nicely. Um, and like I say, I still laugh a little bit that Joe Hart's actually self-the goalkeeper. But uh, hey, I'll take it.
2: Now, Russell, something else that emerged over the weekend was a possible deal for Kevin Nisbet. We have spoken before in many programmes about signing the best young Scottish players or the best Scottish players around. Nisbet's name was one that kept coming up. Now there was talk of a swap deal involving Lee Griffiths and cash heading to Easter Road, but not so sure about the wherewithals or the validity in that for a club like Hibbs. But certainly Nisbet, and you'll laugh. Nisbet is top if you're talking about shopping locally. Nisbet is top of your person's of interest list, is he not? In yeah, opinion or he should be. You know, so when yeah. Celtic, I mean, he was left out yesterday. Official reason: illness. People beating, putting two and two together. You know, trying to work out, work it out. But and I think Celtic have been quoted four million pounds for Nisbet. So. They know what to do now, don't they? They know, they know what Hibs want, and if Celtic want this, but then they might have to shell out a bit of money for, for Celtic. You know, for a for a, a player coming from a Scottish club, I think only Scott Brown and Duncan Ferguson uh, are the others that have gone for £4 million from one Scottish club to another. So they're joining esteemed company if Celtic were to decide that that's the man they want. Do you see Kevin Nisbet being a Celtic player first and foremost?
4: Yes, I think it would make sense if the uh, if the deal for the VVV striker in Holland, um, if that's you know fallen by the wayside, then I think Kevin Nisbet would be more than an attractive option for Celtic. I think you know we were we we had so many pods, Tony, where we spoke in the summer. I think this was before Ange had even been appointed. And where we spoke, and Amy, you'll agree with this, where we spoke about all this list of domestic players that Celtic should be targeting in the summer. Unbelievably, because we thought, well, the ones that we're getting from overseas aren't settling in quick enough. We were talking about Barcast was going to take 12 months to settle as yet perhaps the same. Obviously, the pandemic played a part in that. I get that. But we thought maybe it's going to be a back-to-basic sort of transfer window where we buy the best from our own domestic league. No uh, quarantine, no settling in period because they already know the league. And, you know, let's see where that takes us. Instead, Andrew's managing to get 19-year-olds from Israel to start hit the ground running. He's managing to get guys to come from Japan, hit the ground running. So what's he going to be able to do with someone brought from the league that already knows how to put the ball in the net past all of these goalkeepers in the league already? He's only going to enhance them. And right now, for me, Kevin Nisbet brings me closer to my holy grail 10. It might not be 10 in a row, but if we are to have double figures, day, Kevin Nisbet would be an asset to doing so. Uh, I also think as well, Tony, statement signing, see if you see the best player in the league. I think every summer Celtic should be looking. We'll still have uh, scouts casting their nets far and wide and We've spoken about Angie's obviously is going to be able to take us to new markets even further away than before that we have no knowledge of as supporters that Angie's going to say, Well, in fact, he's already on record now, thanks to the, the MSN for keeping up with us and asking the, the important questions, Tony. Um, when he was asked about the J League last week, he said he would love to, but be more like January. But all that aside, I still think at least every summer, we should be identifying who's the best player out with Celtic and Rangers in that top league right now. Go and get them. Go and get them because that's you acting like a big club in your country as well. It's signings of intent, statement signings. And at this moment in time, for me, the most attractive player outside the two Glasgow main Glasgow clubs is Kevin Nisbet. Go and get
2: them. Amy, do you agree with that? Kevin Nisbet, person of interest, go and get them. You know, whatever... Whatever Hibs are offering, just pay the money because uh, you see him as a future Celtic star of the future. It's future getting Celtic. <laughs> I'll try that again. Future Celtic star. Blend we'll that sentence there, right?
5: It's undoubtedly um, getting tougher and tougher. Um, you know, from a Celtic perspective, absolutely, you know, go out and get him. But from a Hibs slant um, they'd be asking asking an awful lot. You know, Christian Deutsch is out injured now till December, I think, if not later. Um, The the good news is, of course, for them, Martin Boyles just signed a a long-term deal after the speculation to to Aberdeen last week was quickly shut down. And then on the other hand, would Hibbs really, and I know, Tony, you you wrote a piece on this as well, but would Hibbs really want to land Lee Griffiths? Um, Do you really want to get yourself mingling within that? So... I, I firmly believe if we do actually get Nisbet, Griffiths won't be a part of the deal because I don't think Hibs will want him back as much as he may want Hibs, um And, you know, I think that's that's pretty obvious and pretty blatant because I do believe it is over for, for Lee Griffiths at Celtic. I don't understand why Hibs would want to get themselves involved in that. I don't think it would be well-recepted by the fans. Um and as everyone kind of likes to point out, I am obviously through through the East and lots of Hibs fans who certainly would not want this. Um, and again, you certainly cannot blame them. It's almost like we're just trying to offload them, get rid of them, get them out of our sort of circus and chuck them in somewhere else. I think it'd be a terrible, terrible decision for Hibs. And like I say, it's, it's the slant of Christian Doidge as well. They've just lost him if they were to lose Nisbet as well. It's, it's a tough, tough season for, for Jack Ross and it started off okay. European dreams obviously not quite worked out the way that they were hoping but um, it's a long season. Not leaving them with an awful lot of time. If Nesb- if Nesbitt if is to be sold, um, James Nesbitt, if Nesbitt is to be sold <laughs> then they're, um, they're leaving themselves a little bit short. So I don't, I don't see it happening as much as I was maybe hopeful perhaps say even June, July, early July because of what's unfolding at Hibs. And like I say, I cannot see why any club, especially in this country, would want to be taken only Lee Griffiths right now.
2: I mean, Russell, we had a conversation on the phone yesterday and we were saying possibly a, a figure of money plus maybe a Mikey Johnston or an Adam Montgomery or an Owen Moffat might be more palatable for a club like Hibs. If Celtic are serious about signing Kevin Nisbet and Hibbs are willing to do a deal, as Amy says, the whole Christian Doyce thing might throw a spanner and that works. But yep. if Celtic really want Kevin Nisbet, then they're going to either have to stump up Hibbs' asking price or stump up a significant amount of dough plus something that's attractive to them in terms of a player for a year. say, And I just say that a Mikey Johnson, Adam Montgomery or an more because they're attack-minded players like Nisbet. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the only reason that I said them. So that's that's and that's an option, you know. But Celtic cannot go a low ball for for because it will just get kicked out of the park again,
4: won't it? No, absolutely. And I think as well. I mean, whilst uh, you're not, you, you know, whatever it is, the Hibs are going to be looking for in today's transfer market. It is not going to be an obscene amount of money or something you would not pay for a proven goal scorer from a different league. It's because you then balance out the league that he's in and you start thinking, oh, three, four million sounds a lot. We didn't blink an eyelid when we paid four and a half million for Kyogo, for example. We just thought, don't know anything about this guy. It's blindsided. Us. I don't remember anyone saying anything about the fee being a particularly large fee or substantial fee. And yet we knew nothing about Kyogo. Of course, it looks like an absolute bargain. So for me, if the, if the fee to be... Banded about would be something around the 4 million range. I don't think that is a lot when you're playing for a 40 million jackpot at the end of the season. And you're probably likely still, I think, to sell Edward between now and the end of August for double that, treble that perhaps, 12, 15 million. I think we're looking at probably is the more realistic figure, I think, for Edward as opposed to the dizzy heights of 20 to 30 that we maybe had ambitions of before in the past. But I think now. If he is going to go, you, you would still you're going to make you're still going to have enough and more to cover the Nisbet deal, so it makes sense. I think you're absolutely right about Griffiths. Uh, both of you. For me, brands are so important in football. You know, we see we see people always about their own personal careers in life and about their own brand. Well, footballers, care, uh, football clubs care about their brand as well, and now it's all about. How does that look if we if it's not good enough for one club and he's out you know he's out you know he's in the wilderness in terms of team selection because of off field antics? Being, well one of the reasons we don't know maybe it is a you know a football reason as well. But you'd like to think what happened off the field is enough for him to be ostracised from that first team affairs. Now, if that's good enough for one club, do you really want to be the club that says we th- we're going to put up with that? We'll still play him. It's not a great look. You only need to also look at the division in the stands, all right, that it caused um, at Celtic. That was on a human level, not because we're Celtic supporters that was causing upset. So that exact same division is going to be mirrored at any club I think Lee Griffiths goes to. I don't see how the the opinion would be different or slanted in any different way. I think there'll be some true fans out there that'll say, well, as soon as you put on the shirt, we should be applauding you and backing you. And then you're going to have another section that say no, 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 we're not having someone that's had off-field answers that representing our club. And therefore, that to me is an argument that could be happening at any football club. Therefore, I don't see it likely that Hibbs would accept him as a make-weight make, a make, make weight in the deal, or whatever that saying is. And then I also think he's really probably going there as a top earner. don't see how that would be particularly palatable to current pros that are there and supporters either. I do think the loan thing... You could be on the money with that. I think if that's what needs to be done as a sweetener, particularly if you've got Dodge out till was it Christmas, you said, sort of time, where you've got someone like a Mikey Johnson who has scored goals at this level and perhaps just needs a consistent run again, or you're looking for Montgomery, someone who's really on the cusp of a wave right now in his career and could be getting a chance to get first-team football now on a regular basis, a, a, a team playing good football like Hibs with a good manager, these sort of deals, I think, on top of the, the, the cash that has won, sound a lot more likely. So in the most long-winded way, Tony, yes, I think this bit could be a person of interest for Celtic.
2: <laughs> now, how good would it be in terms of this week if Celtic could bring in a couple of players, uh, go to Holland and get a result, and then go to Ibrooks and get a result? That's the kind of treble you want. New players a result in Holland, a result at Ibrox. I mean, what a treble that would be, speaking of trebles, and how good would you feel about yourself going into the international break?
5: It's the ideal week, isn't it? You know, um, Andrew, over the last few weeks, it's said on the cusp of signings, or there's a few signings going to be coming in. It's not obviously materialised quite yet, but the, the window's not, uh, not done. A week is a long time in football, um, and we know that, and a lot of things can change in, within a week. This is massive. There's no doubt, um, no matter what actually happens on the pitch, new signings are, are are going to bring enthusiasm, they're going to bring excitement amongst the players and amongst the fans. It, it's what we want to be seeing, Um And it's just getting all behind us, like you say, heading into the international break on a bit of a high. Um, didn't happen very often last season at all, did it? So it'd be great Um bolster up the squad a little bit more. It's already looking to get into shape and just certainly look in. Um, like he's got his side playing the way that he wants but I think equally you know as much as it's vital to get players in, keeping a hold of players as well, I'd love to see the contract offered to to Ryan Christie to really get him. in. I think that was a great post from him as well. You know, obviously we spoke earlier that that Cal Mac gave him gave him the armband. Christie um, acknowledged it later on on Instagram because you know that's the way to do it now. Um, but he was you could you could tell that the, the pride was there. And I think to be honest, when when he got that armband, he, he took that responsibility, albeit there wasn't obviously a lot to do, but he's just looking so much more engaged, isn't he? He's looking like the Ryan Christie, perhaps under Brenton Rodgers. And just from a few years ago when he was really, you know, up there with the, the top assists, top goals, top everything at the top of the leagues, you know, he was flying for Scotland as well. Everything was just clicking. So, I know there's talks again that Southampton are perhaps sniffing around hopes that the pool of Stuart Armstrong isn't there um, because Ryan Christie right now is just playing beautiful football everything is just ticking along nicely he's linking up so well with David Turnbull here's a guy we've, spoke of, we've, we've spent fifty minutes on a show this guy scored a hat-trick at the weekend we've not even mentioned his name once yet David Turnbull was actually- no, you know, um at the weekend as well. And there was a few coming um throughout the summer saying that perhaps, you know, it wouldn't be a bad deal to maybe let David Turnbull go. Oh, what were they thinking? Um that was a, a terrific performance I, again, yet again. You know, a bad a, two goals, like you say, at 19 years of age, he's, he's just settled in so well. Everything is just going along so nicely. Ryan Christie is such a massive part of that as well. Tom Rogic coming on and still making such an impact. You know, the Tom Rogic ball for David Turnbull's, um, for the hat-trick, that little reverse through the legs of the defender, that's what we know Tom Rogic for. And it's a joy that you see Um like you say, even the ambition from Ayeti to, I think a few fans were, or there was perhaps a few calls that it was maybe a bit robust. It was a shoulder-to-shoulder. He just won the ball. Um, nudged this man out the way a little bit. But even that, the ambition was there for him, you know, and the aggression to try and get the ball back, to get a play going. He was putting inside under pressure, which is something that Celtic haven't done for so many years. That intensity in the final third hasn't been there, especially when so many goals up. How many times have we seen Celtic maybe score two or three in the first half, sit back, maybe grab one in the second, but there's no real ambition and no real you know, search for, for more goals. But that's what we're seeing under Ange, um, and it is a joy to see. So keep Ryan Christie, a few signings coming in the door, and then um, it's an all-round good summer, I think.
2: Russell, you agree with that? Keep Ryan Christie, bring in a few signings, one in Holland, or get a result in Holland, one at Ibrooks, jobs are good, you go into the international break, shouting from the rooftops and feeling much better about yourself as a Celtic supporter?
4: Absolutely. It all sounds rosy when you put it like that. <laughs> Definitely. I think with, with Christie, we're certainly buttoning him up the right way, aren't we? You know, he's getting regular football again. He's in the starting 11. He's been allowed to express himself. He's got a coach who clearly understands how to enhance Ryan Christie's game as opposed to just telling him just to shoot on sight, mate. They're giving him the captain's armband now. It looked like Cal Mack nearly slipped up and went to give it to Joe Hart. But I think there was a wee bit of Mind games going on there by going. No, remember keep him sweet, give him it. Mm-hmm. So I think there must have been a wee prior deal done that if we were coasting, then it would be Christie who'd get the captain's armband. Although it did look to me like McGregor's instinct was to go to Joe Hart. So you know, for which you know, it's quite quite a fair distance away for Christie to be getting you know a mistaken identity. You know, so if they are going about their way to try and. Um, to try and keep Christie at the club, I, I see what they're doing and I do not blame them one little bit for it, by the way. I certainly think you're right. I think you see the Ryan Christie of old right now. I think he could come, uh, sign a new deal. And even if, come the summer, then goes, look, I've gave you another year, as promise, because things are going well. You'll now get a fee for me, but play ball and let me go, then fair enough. But his chances of going to a better club, I think, will be if he spends longer at Celtic which is ironic because I know that you know, the end game is that he's maybe wanting to test himself in other leagues. But I don't see the point in going to a a team that's not of his level. And I think if Ryan Christie can have one of those seasons Amy's touching on up there in the goals charts, up there in the assist charts again, and obviously what you witness literally on the field has been outstanding also, it's not all about numbers and stats. Um, I think it would be quite amazing to then watch what level of clubs are going to be interesting in Christy. I said, remember I think it was at the end of last season I was worried he might end up playing in Turkey or something like that and, and you know the, the move to the EPL that he thinks of coming because of his attitude might not come. I, I'm i convinced now that he probably will have an offer on the table from someone in the EPL but why make it just a someone that you go to? Why not make it a somebody that you go to? You know a, a real club of stature and prestige and I think if Christy can put in you know, as his early season form sort of began, if he can, you know, do that over the course of the next 10 months, then I think he could be looking at far better clubs being, you know, coming in and slipping for him. His opportunities might be that are presented to him, might actually be more attractive. So why not stay and enjoy your football another year round? Do what's right.
2: <laughs> and speaking of big players, Amy touched upon him there. Tumble, we haven't mentioned Tumble, so let's mention Tumble. Totally. You know, my thoughts on Tumble. I've told everybody that would listen, he's a baller. You know, even when people were, as Amy said, advocating to get shot of him, I was just like, No, you resist that, the boy can play. And I've uh, I've been watching him closely well. He's very accurate with his shooting. If it doesn't hit the target, it goes by past the post by a whisker. You know, he, he cracked that one off the post on Saturday even before he scored. But mm-hmm. the, the one he scored from outside the box, he, he's he's pretty lethal. From between 20 and 25 yards he usually hits it in between the frame of the goal if not in the net you know which I love about Tumble, and he, and he he's just got a keen eye for goal and also the one he scored when the goal he dropped a ball presence I mean to be in there you know and then just ask questions later smash it in the net and then went in with a heart to get his hat trick because the goalkeeper was coming out there was a player coming in but jabbed the leg out knowing if he gets a touch it's going in No wanting a hat trick, as Amy said that hunger Amy to go and get his hat-trick. was a lovely pass in, but there's still a bit of work to do to, to score the hat-trick goal.
5: You're talking, you know, absolutely about the, the hat-trick goal, but the, the one outside the box, I don't know when defenders will learn to not give David Turnbull so much space, you know, he had acres. <laughs> he had acres of, of space, and I, and I appreciate, it obviously, since I mean, I we're down to, to 10, but the, the time to, you know, set himself up, take a touch, turn even, um, and like you say, he's, he's never a million miles off He's just oozing the clash right now. I was um, a part of it as well. I think a few weeks ago, it almost looked like he was just a little bit lost, a little bit confused and I was a little bit worried as to where does David Turnbull really fit in right now because it was more Ryan Christie was really succeeding, Forrest was succeeding, Tom Rogic was succeeding and I just thought, wow, where do we fit David Turnbull into here? But, you know, I just managed to find a way that all three complement each other or if it be Rogic is on the bench or whatever and a, a bad is coming back in. There's a lot of rotation but it's good, it's healthy, it's keeping the side fresh and much more rather that problem you know you you want that sort of headache that's that's one of the good headaches to be having so you know it is a joy to see but but like i say it surely can't be much longer that david turnbull gets that much room on the edge of the box
2: <laughs> Russell, mr turnbull your thoughts
4: yeah i think he's came on leaps and bounds since we put him in that deep slightly deeper role and brought in tom tom Rogich to play in the number 10 role I wonder if that's maybe one of the reasons why he's getting that space at the edge of the box because he's coming from a deeper position and it's less expected. But the way we play, you know, everyone's going to be you know pushing on. I think beyond where they might they might be set up in the formation at the beginning of the game, he's shooting. I thought that I thought that goal from outside the box had. I'm not saying the exact same, but actually, you know, before because I know the Nakamura one was a joke. I just thought the way way he went through the ball and got that sort of movement on it, the swerve going out the way, reminded me, shall we say, a wee bit of Nakamura's against them. Um, A long time ago that was now. But uh, No, the movement he gets the ball, his strike accuracy is good. Tumble's going to be someone who's looking to break his goal-scoring sort of record. I think he got 16 one season for Motherwell. Uh, He's got to be targeting that now, you know. Um, and saying look you know, I'm playing with a better team right now I'm brimming with confidence I've got a few on the board already that should be a target I think and a realistic one for David Turnbull going forward Um, I'll just say as well obviously I know we'll be near in the end but if you have been watching thanks for logging in on YouTube Twitch, Twitter (laughs) I've lost count of how many social medias there are but I meant to say that earlier so aye
2: I wanted to say one more thing before we end the, the broadcast and the bulletin. Willie Collum, spot on on Saturday by sending Alan Power off. We are quick to shout at referees and accuse them of all sorts, but big up to Willie Collum for taking yep. the nonsense because it was a shocking challenge on Ryan Christie and Willie Collum saw for what it was, a shocking challenge. He riffed the game and uh, quite rightfully showed Alan Power the red card.
5: Fair, absolutely yes. your- it's debate, you know. I think it is. It's it's frightening that uh, that that we're finding. You know, fans. alike saying. You know, it could just be a yellow. How that is a yellow in any any country, any league is is beyond me. So, like you see, we are quick enough. Similar to Celtic, we're quick enough to to call upon rest when they're when they're not in the in the right. But we have to be equally quick when they do something right.
2: This has been a Celtic State of Mind, The Monday Club, with me, Tony Haggerty, Russell Boyce, and the amazing Amy Canavan. Thank you for watching.